Welcome back to the Boxing One Podcast. This is your boy, Jay Rich, aka John Richards, here with the homie C Lass, Chris Laster. What's up, homeboy? Uh, what up, yo? Look, man, it's the fall, man. I can tell, like, I'm getting cooler here. We got 50 degree temperatures here. So that only means one thing for me, and that's college football season. So we got to open talking about college football, right? Absolutely. And I think both of us would say we are more. Saturday guys than Sunday guys and I'm sure we'll get into that on the podcast later at some point but yeah it's good to be yeah back. we're we're definitely Saturday sports guys I mean we're Sunday guys in the sense of being Christians and, and loving the church and, and Christ's body but definitely Saturday sports guys now this past weekend was opening weekend for college football which means there were a ton of games to watch and Saturday was filled with certain storylines that you just had to love. But I want to ask you, C-Lass, and I'll let you know mine, but what is your top story from the opening weekend? And I think I should probably open because I like yours a little bit better than mine because it's pretty cool. But my top story has to be uh, UGA-related because I'm a Georgia fan. Go dogs, of course. And the homie. There we go with that again. Jacob Eason, man, got hurt against Appalachian State. Uh, he tweaked his knee. They're not sure how long he's going to be out. But we had true freshman Jake Fromm come in and handle his business against App State. Now he has to go into South Bend. How about this for your first starting game as a freshman? Go into South Bend and play Notre Dame this weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing what Fromm does and, and how he plays. He had a great spring. So I like what my dogs are doing right now. You might get set up for midseason disappointment with this team. Happens from time to time, but I'm in a good place right now, man. So my top story would be the dogs landed down on Appalachian State, especially after the homie C-Laz hit me with the 10-year Appalachian State anniversary beating Michigan Techs right before the game, throwing all types of shade inside eye. Jay Rich, this see, this is the type of thing that just be disappointing me. Cause all right, so you're a smart guy, right? Like, in fact, you got a law degree. Where did you get your law degree from? Howard University, the Howard University, the Mecca in Washington, DC. Yes. How many how many times in your lifetime has Howard been on the front of ESPN? Uh none. Okay. So when they are on the front of ESPN and they and uh, with the words biggest upset in college football history why is your biggest takeaway of college football weekend about georgia's backup quarterback that's when you know that i am a diehard dogs fan yes howard university beat unlv they beat this big vegas spread it was 40 something points cam newton's little brother made it happen congratulations to howard but dog come on you know me man you've been around me long enough to know that i eat sleep breathe in the college atmosphere georgia football i'm sorry every week is going to be top story about the dogs (laughs) (laughs) listen i'm not even mad at that but when a school that you went to and i asked you to pass the hoodie test you have a hoodie of this school when they pull off the biggest upset in college football history you can't take a break from georgia football in a meaningless game for one week to talk about Howard, Cam Newton's little brother. We can't get that at all. Just one week. I'm so sorry, man. This is this is all you're going to get from me. Congratulations, Howard. Good job. 
But we, I am going to talk about Jacob Fromm. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so now I keep up with sports, but I don't actually watch a lot of sports. And so I did make it over to my boy's house today to or Sunday night to watch West Virginia, Virginia Tech. That's a big rivalry where I live. So that was a great game. Came down to the last play of the game. It was super exciting. Um, and I was super hyped about Howard and Cam Newton's brother. Uh, but the takeaway from the college football sports weekend has to be Jake Olson. Uh, because if you're not familiar with the story, um, Jake is blind. And he is a, uh, he's a special team snapper on occasion for USC. He got in the game and completed a successful kick back to the placeholder uh, for an extra point. And it was just great. Like, I read every single thing I could about Jake Olsen that week because I just love stories like that. As a former reporter, I'm just always in it for the great story. And that was easily the best story of the college football season. Yeah, that that certainly, I mean, it's the start of the season. But what is going to trump that, dude? What is going to beat that? I, I really can't think of anything. When that makes you want to shed a thug tear. And I almost shed like two or three of them. And even Pete Carroll said he shed a few thug tears. You know, it's a compelling story. And it's good to see that he's been around that team for quite some time as a young kid. It kind of helped fuel him um, into his teenage years. So good for him, man. And good for USC. Even though I hate that team, like that story was definitely one this weekend that was eye-opening and very exciting to see that. That's what sports is all about, man. Why you hate USC? I hate their fight song. I hate their colors. I hate Snoop Dogg on the sidelines looking all like an anorexic wide receiver. Like, I hate all things USC. They're like the Lakers to me. They're one of those teams that just won for, for so many years that you get upset that they're continuing to win. I don't like those types of dynasties. Another word for upset could be hater. <laughs> hey, you could call it exactly whatever you want to call it. But I'm going to call it the team that has my disdain, and they're going to get the side eye from me every single time, including that quarterback of theirs, that young fella that they keep giving all this Heisman hype. Forget all that, man. But shout out to Jake Olson, man. That was a great story. I can I can lay aside my USC hate for that, for sure. For good, sure. good, good. I'm glad we can agree there. Okay, so this week, another story uh, is looking to dominate the headlines and probably will dominate the headlines for quite some time. Uh, today, we found out that President Trump and his administration decided to uh, repeal what was an executive order called the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or people are calling it by the acronym DACA, um, that Obama, President Obama, executed an executive order for, which basically gave about 800,000 people known as the dreamers um, who entered this country illegally as children uh, certain rights. And, and, and what the Trump administration has done is they pretty much put an expiration date on those legal protections that uh, DACA had guaranteed them through the Obama executive order. So here's a couple of things. First of all, a lot of people are asking, okay, what are these executive orders? We heard a lot about Obama doing them while he was in office. Are they legal? A lot of Christians don't necessarily understand what they are. 
Um, it's very complex and complicated, but the president does have certain powers to be able to administer executive orders, as you see Trump did it with the transgender issue in the military, since he is the commander in chief. Uh, he has those powers to issue those orders. But a lot of folks are saying that Obama's actions when it came to immigration and, and, and acting or passing this executive order for DACA was illegal because legislatively, you know, checks and balances, we talking about the bill on Capitol Hill, right? Legislatively, uh, usually that stuff goes through legislative process and they weren't able to come to an agreement on immigration. They haven't been for years. So uh, BHO, the POTUS, Barack Obama, decided to execute an executive order, basically saying, I want to protect these 800,000 people, children who came over as immigrants, um, whose parents may have come over illegally. But do you necessarily um, cause the sins of the fathers, quote unquote, to fall on the children? His approach was we don't. And we're going to protect these folks um, who came over illegally as children. So what does that mean for us as Christians, because honestly, Christians can't necessarily agree on immigration. If Congress can't agree, um, we know that there are going to be people in certain Christian spaces that aren't going to be able to agree on this. So, Chris, I need to know, okay, my, my theologian, my, my resident theologian on the podcast, I need to know what should Christians think about this or how do you approach this as a Christian when thinking through immigration and issues of this matter? Like, what are your thoughts on this whole DACA situation? This this has been really difficult for me to think about, Jay Rich. And I think it's been difficult for, for a lot of reasons because I think you say, um, what is the church's obligation, right? And in every obligation, that's always to love your neighbor. Um, and that's unquestioned. Uh, that's just basic components of scripture. Like, right. These are the most two important, like love the Lord, your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. So wherever you see someone that qualifies as a neighbor and we're called to love. And then there's the government. Right. But I guess I would say like, you're, you're trying to figure out how to look through this through a gospel lens. And I've seen maybe three theological tweets total on this topic, which has been very shocking to me in the cybersphere where everybody blogs and tweets about everything. I think one of the things we both said is, man, it doesn't seem like our, our favorite go-to theologians have done much to try to uh, wrap their arms around this topic as of yet, right? So for me, it's just trying to figure out, like you look and you hear all of this evidence to say, hey, like these were people that were trying to rectify a situation that wasn't their problem. like." They didn't make this choice on their own. They don't have high crime rates. They have great education rates. They're productive members of society. And we're sending them back to countries that they've never known, you know? And um, part of that just feels inhumane. But I'm also trying to look through it at a, through a gospel lens and say, hey, is there anything here I'm missing? Because I see such a sharp division uh, between different Christian camps on it. So I'm open saying like, hey, convince me, like, hey, convince me why mercy isn't the answer here. Like, show me why this is important. And I understand people who say like, hey, like for a long time, we haven't put our country first. But um, just the way that feels like a six-year-old or a five-year-old, and now you're telling them, hey, we had this program for you. Now we're removing this program and like, good luck figuring life out. That just feels uh, somewhat inhumane to me. If I'm wrong, like, 
like help me show me through the gospel that um that this is right but it just like in my gut it just feels horrible yeah so i i I got a couple of thoughts here's what i would say first so when you're looking at christian responses to executive orders and, and these policies the only thing that i want from people in the christian community is consistency be consistent so if obama's executive order goes beyond his powers as the president call him out for that so if this daca situation is one of those things do that yes but the same thing that you apply there in march i wanted you to apply when trump may have overstepped his bounds in the immigration policy that he was trying to enact which eventually got overturned by the courts and went through an entire legal process i'm just looking for consistency um, from brothers and sisters in terms of being able to speak up and speak out against actions that aren't necessarily within the scope of the duties of the office and the other thing i would say about christian community and and the biblical response to this is man bro we are all aliens in this land if you are christian brother and sister to me then both you and I are aliens in this land. And and when you look at the the Old Testament corpus and look at the body of writing in the Old Testament, man, the way God talked about aliens and talked about the people of Israel themselves, like God's chosen people, and as we are God's new nation, hear these words in Deuteronomy where it says, you shall remember when you were a slave in Egypt and, and the Lord, your God, redeemed you from there. He's talking to, to the Israelites and, and how they're dealing with aliens or, or those who are outsiders within their community. And there are tons of passages in, in Deuteronomy and, and other passages in the mosaic law that talk about treatment of aliens and treatment of outsiders and most people go to the go-to verse in the new testament right where where jesus himself was taken to egypt and became a refugee became an immigrant so what we're saying is in taking these children and and thinking about eight hundred thousand people being displaced to homes that they don't even have because they were born here they're 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 the only thing that they known as america then it's, it flies in the face of who jesus was who actually was an immigrant himself and, and nothing is more clear when when jesus says i was a stranger and, and you welcomed me so so for me from a christian perspective when i see something like this without giving it too much thought even though they did use the least disruptive means quote unquote to be able to do this it still brings up the issue for my christian brothers and sisters and for me myself to say hey as a christian how do i approach the alien the immigrant the fact that none of us are natives to this country. Um, not not very many of us can say that. And right now, those people are on reservations. Um, should probably allow us to call to approach this with a little bit more humility and less ego when we're dealing with this. But I don't think that people are thinking through that because we have this um, colonial mindset where we colonize folks, and it's really really sad. I think for me, just one of the things, the two things. I'm trying to like grasp my mind around is one even even if 
there is a difference between how the church would land on an issue and how the government lands on the issue. Shouldn't there just be compassion? And so when I'm asking people, hey, point me to the gospel, help me to see your point of view in that, and it doesn't come through with much compassion, then like that, that's, a, that's a red flag for me, right? Um, if it just comes across as like more patriotism than gospel, that's a, that's a red flag for me too. If somebody says like, no, like, hey, here's how you look at government through the lens of scripture, and here's how we're different than the covenant community in the Old Testament, in, in terms of how we relate to our government, like, hey, I'm willing to learn. But if the, if the answers you give me are answers that just don't seem like they are like formed by the gospel at all, that, that's where I've struggled. And that's why I was really hoping that people would write more and help me like work through this issue. And I've really been saddened to find like, I haven't found much, been able to find much to read. The silence is deafening for sure. All right, in this last segment, we want to tackle a word that's become a buzzword kind of in Christendom and, and Christian communities. And I think a lot of people are genuinely looking to um, implement something in their church to help them with this word. And, and that word is diversity. Diversity, Chris. What up, Jay Rich? So look, all right, so a lot of churches are looking to pursue, in some ways, more diversity within their congregations or on their church staffs. And that's very important. It really is, at least from my perspective and your perspectives, we feel like diversity is very huge for um, the church and for the future of the church. But uh, from my perspective, and I'd love to hear yours, I think it's important to make a distinction between diversity or pursuing diversity and pursuing racial reconciliation because they are not the same thing. Researchers go by this 80-20 rule, right? So if, if less than 80% of your congregation comes from the same racial group, then a church is considered multiracial or diverse. So that's kind of the benchmark that they have there. But I love, love, love what Jarvis Williams said when he talked about making the distinction between diversity and racial reconciliation, I think is very helpful for churches who are actually seeking diversity. He says that he disagrees with um, ethnic diversity being the same as racial reconciliation and says that the former doesn't necessarily guarantee the latter. And be, just because a church is racially diverse doesn't mean that that church is pursuing racial reconciliation. So he gave this example of, you know, the grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan could theoretically work in environments where his boss is an African-American. So that that environment is diverse. But trust me, that person, the Ku Klux Klan member, is not pursuing reconciliation with that boss. So I think that that's very important in making that distinction. And I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts and how you process those two terms or phrases in your particular context, either church or even at home. Yeah, homie. So uh, the other quote that he says, and I love this one, and this was really my introduction to Dr. Williams. And he said, plantations were diverse, but they weren't working towards reconciliation. So, ouch. Uh, yeah. So, uh, my man Brian Loritz wrote a book called um, Right Color, Wrong Culture. And I mean, the whole book is a leadership fable that just like it goes through this church trying to diversify 
it's uh, pastoral staff, right? And they bring in someone to help him with the search. And he kind of talks about, you can have Carlton Banks, you can have Denzel, or you can have Ice Cube. And it's so funny, but it's so true. It's like, hey, you could get an African-American pastor who really just didn't grow up in any type of African-American space, right? So the, the comic example is Carlton, like he grows up out there with Will, but they're, they're polar opposites. And Carlton never has an idea what Will is talking about. He say, hey, churches can do that. He says, or you can hire Ice Cube. And he just like, he's kind of who he is too. And he kind of represents urban, but like, he might not be ready to help you reconcile either. And so like the candidate that you need is more of someone like Denzel who can like has a foot where he can speak on both ends. And so I do, I think you can see a lot of times where you see uh, diversity. I think about athletics, Jay Rich, how many times um, you can play a sport, but then you just kind of get your own little clicks and huddles inside of that sport with the people that are most like you. And you might spend every day together practicing and you might even have common goals. But when it's time to go eat at the uh, cafeteria, you separate into your little clicks. And I know like in my basketball team in high school and college, it was like that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point. I mean, the whole the whole Carlton Denzel thing is hilarious because I was at a church where they hired a black worship leader. They was like, hey, we got a black worship leader. I'm like, he ain't done one run in this entire service. So <laughs> he got an acoustic guitar. Uh, he didn't say the run. Come on. Jay Rich, have you ever been in a church where they did the run? I'm just saying, I've been to churches where they do the runs, okay? I, I, I'm a product of the black church now. If you want to hire somebody to move toward reconciliation, you're probably not going to hire Carlton. I'm sorry. I mean, you're going to have somebody who has kind of that cultural DNA that's going to challenge some of the things that you're doing. So completely agree, like find someone who is culturally savvy enough to show you a different culture and not someone who's going to come in and assimilate into your culture and do the Carlton dance. God bless him. I mean, I, I love the guy. Uh, I definitely want somebody who could do the Carlton dance. You went too far. <laughs> okay. Too far on that Sorry, one. man. My bad. <laughs> but Jerry, I think it's... Do the Carlton dance? No, sir. No, I probably fall. I don't fall in the ice cube category. Okay. So I'm probably more in the, the middle ground Denzel trying to figure out both worlds and having feet in both worlds category. So not doing the Carlton dance, but I can do the cabbage patch and the running man. So you're just an eighties baby. That's what I do, bro. That's what I do. So look, man, God has given us kind of, Paul talks about this, right? This ministry of reconciliation, but how do you talk to a church who's pursuing diversity and kind of allow them or push them towards saying, hey, we want more than just diversity. Like we don't want a diverse staff. Like we want you to like actively pursue reconciliation, which means you got to say some tough things from the platform sometimes, i.e. Charlottesville. You know what I mean? Right. So you and I had talked about this and I had done a whole helping a, a church with this in the process and just talking about, hey, like if you're going to pastor in a mostly Anglo setting, like minority members, you can't ask them to assimilate, right? Like you have to, they don't want to just be part of your culture. They're coming for gospel reasons more than likely, right? So they don't want to feel, they want to feel like their culture is embraced there. And they're not asked to be part of another culture to just help your church become, um, to work towards reconciliation, you know? Or, um, but, and I think the other thing is like, yeah, you have to like preach against racism from all its forms from the congregation. Like this isn't easy work, right? And not everyone likes to hear those things. Yeah, that's so true, man. 
so so my desire and my passion is to move people beyond the diversity conversation to having the reconciliation conversation and not just conversation but implementation like i want people to be at the same table supping together um, getting families together understanding one another's cultures um, that's the hard work of racial reconciliation that that i feel like needs to be done to be able to fulfill that revelation vision of uh, every tribe and tongue and nation so so that's my prayer man and that's my hope and hopefully making that distinction between diversity and reconciliation is helpful all right, man. See, last I need to know, and I know the people want to know, what have you been reading lately? Or what do you feel like that's on your shelf that would be helpful to the folks listening to this podcast? Yeah, Jay Rich. So for me, it's still C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. And essentially, my day has just enough time to knock out a devotional book by Spurgeon and some Bible reading each day. So right now I'm working through the book of Micah and, uh, second thessalonians but in when i have downtime i try to have a day just to rest and in that time i try to read a lot all that time is c.s lewis for me mere christianity nothing wrong with c.s lewis in the downtime getting it in with mere christianity for sure so i'm a history guy and i like history so i'm um, working my way slowly through Alton Gansky's 60 People Who Shaped the Church. Um, it goes, walks through a historical first century all the way to present day, talking about folks who helped shape the church either for good or for bad. So I had a little bit of Nero action early on and uh, looking forward to working my way through some of the, the folks that he has in the book. Would like to see a little bit more uh, color in there, but you know how that goes. All right, closing shout outs. What you got, bro? Gotta give a shout out to a couple of schools. So, uh, right, UVA got a big win. I told you, my cousin's son, uh, PK plays for them. But Virginia football put on for the weekend. So we had two of our FCS schools, the small schools, pull big upsets. Both of them are close to my house. So JMU with the big win, that's where my daughter goes to school. She's a sophomore. With the big win over East Carolina and then Liberty, Hey, we called Liberty out for their lack of response during the um, Charlottesville thing, right? We got to give them some love. Mm. They beat Baylor, and it probably would have been one of the biggest college football upsets of recent memory if it wasn't outdone by Howard minutes later. So maybe you can <laughs> show Howard some love in your shout-outs. I'm not trying to tell you who to shout-out, Jay Rich, but Hey, I'll All right, you. man, you didn't twist my arm, okay? Shout out to the alma mater, Howard University, for picking it up against UNLV. I loved UNLV back in the day with all the homies that were on the basketball team, but Cam Newton's little brother definitely went in and showed out. So shout out to the real HU. Sorry, y'all, Hampton University or Institute folks. Ooh. Um, oh, oh, ouch. Yes, the real HU. Shout out to Howard. All right, that's been episode number 40. Wow, 40 of the Boxing One podcast. We didn't even talk about Gail Sayers, but we already knew he was the best 40 of all time, correct? You just saying that because you in Chicago? No contest. Not over Harrison Barnes. 
sorry, Harrison Barnes, really. No contest, bro. <laughs> episode 40, the Gale Sears episode. Thank you guys for joining us for this episode. We pray that it was edifying for you. Be sure to go over to Twitter at Boxing One Podcast. Give us a little like and follow. Head over to Facebook. Uh, like us at Boxing One Podcast. And please, please go over to iTunes. Leave us a rating review. Uh, if you like the show, just let folks know. And just so we can uh, get some of this information out to more people. We enjoy doing this. We love you guys listening, giving us feedback via email. But certainly go over and, and rate and review the show if you get a chance. All right. We'll see you guys next go round for episode number 41. Peace out. <laughs>